This is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily with Andrew Hustler-Patterson and Michael Remus. Thursday afternoon. What's going on, folks? Welcome to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Andrew Patterson with you, along with Michael Remus, back at the WST Command Center, broadcasting live on our YouTube channel and coming into your podcast this afternoon for your drive home. What's good, everybody? Big win for the Jets last night, getting a very important two points, albeit in overtime against the Montreal Canadiens. And a busy show today as we head right into another game night as the Jets take on the Edmonton Oilers, who are feeling pretty good about themselves after beating up on their provincial rivals, the Calgary Flames, last night and handing Daryl Sutter his first loss behind the bench of Calgary. We've got a great show today. Very much looking forward to our first guest, of course, being on one side of the street as opposed to the other uh, with the big companies. Um, Back in the TSN days, never got a chance to have Sean Reynolds from Sportsnet on the program. Sean, of course, doing a great job covering the Winnipeg Jets for Sportsnet and also one half of Kenny and Rennie. We had Ken Weeb last Thursday before their Friday show. We're going to have Sean on today. We'll talk about last night's game, get ready for this evening, and find out what the boys have coming up tomorrow on their program before Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. And longtime warm-up listeners will know how excited I am for um, about 45 minutes from now. My old pal Jeff Feinberg, who I have been talking golf and NFL and fantasy football with for, geez, I don't know, more than five years on the program. Kind of a Wednesday institution. Um, It is one day later. The golf tournament's already started this week. So we'll talk a little bit about what's going on, you know, this week at the Honda Classic. But a little more big picture, looking ahead to the Masters. But I think we'll also talk about um, a number of the big free agency moves in the National Football League happening over the last few days. So um, before we get into it, big thanks to our sponsors, Not Autocorp, the Nick and Nicky DQ Group, Royal Sports at 750 Pembina Highway and Boston Pizza here in Winnipeg. And, of course, Cool Bet Canada will hit some lines a little later on today. Let's bring in the brains of the operation, CTO Michael Remus, back from the command center. Remo, what is good, my friend? How you doing? Uh, so I'm in a great mood, a great Jets win last night. And um, I've had a recent epiphany. I don't know why, but um, <laughs> I know that they've been talking a lot about moving – playoff overtime to three on three and you know just suddenly I don't know why but I'm all for it right now so I think uh, I'm in favor three on three overtime in the playoffs Uh, let's do it oh man you know um, we will get to that topic in a minute Uh, hey shout out to a bunch of people that are already with us in the chat I see Dave Patrician who's loving the background Uh, I think Dave sent me this one I'm putting together a large collection of great backgrounds for the program so um, Dave Certainly has been in his fair share of watering holes, so he got me uh, got me this one. So shout out to it uh, to him and Remo. We've got a number of people tuning in from all over the place. Got to give a shout out to um, where is it? John Miller is joining us from Amarillo, Texas. Al Broderick is down in Long Beach, California, and Trevor Red Ranger is on Clarence Avenue, right here in the Peg. So uh, thanks to everyone that's in here. Uh, if you are in the YouTube channel, do us a favor, hit that like button. Throw a few comments in. Give us your thoughts on the game last night. Thoughts are coming up tonight. We'll have some time to get through the chat a little later on as we get after it. But yes, Remus, back to your point about overtime. Um, I think you could probably get the majority of the Jets nation on board with your epiphany last night that maybe three-on-three overtime does belong in the playoffs because I'll tell you what, it's hard not to 
you know, with a goaltender like Connor Hellebuck and the ability the Winnipeg Jets have, especially when it's freewheeling to score on the rush, um, I don't think there's many Jet fans that don't feel very confident when it goes to the three-on-three extra frame. And even last night, we'll talk about this with Sean, um, you know, you'd like to finish that one in regulation. Um, you know, you'd like, you know, you've got a two-goal lead. I mean, take care of business in the third period. But, you know, credit where credit is due. Montreal is not going out, you know, easy. Um, they were really tenacious. And, yeah, listen, I don't want to say that the Jets were not playing, were playing not to lose as opposed to um, to playing to win. But you know what? They had the three goals. And, you know, history tells us that if this team gets one point, they're more often than not going to get two and right now, what would the Jets have put themselves in a position where what's really going to hurt them is losses in regulation. And um, they didn't do that. They guaranteed the one. And uh, thanks to a great save by Connor Hellebuck, who probably should have gotten an assist on that OT winner by Nikolai Ehlers. Ehlers goes from a potential goat to a hero in a matter of about 15 seconds. And the Jets get that big two. Yeah, this game fairly even for the first two periods, even though the Jets had the lead heading into third. High danger chances, you know, are about 6-4 Jets shot attempts. Again, at five, this is at 5-on-5, five five, very even. But in the third period, um, I don't know uh, what happened. Montreal flipped a switch. The Jets are going. We've seen this before where they kind of sit back and play, you know, try to protect the lead. Hanging on. <laughs> Severely. <laughs> severely uh, outshot us. Um, 31 is 11 at 5 on 5. High danger chances in the third period. 10 to 2 for Montreal. And you can sit back and rely on your goaltending. We keep saying this isn't sustainable, but uh, I mean, they keep doing it. So. <laughs> We're halfway through the season. And, <laughs> We're halfway and you through have the that. Season. Like, Jets fans are so familiar with that feeling the third period. <laughs> oh, it's going to come. We saw it against, Mont- against Toronto on the weekend. They almost tied it up. You know, you remember Edmonton scoring in the dying seconds uh, earlier this season, and there was Montreal with a minute and a half left. Uh, who was it? Tyler Toffoli, who's been so good for them this year. Toffoli, is that the best free agent signing of the year? I mean, he basically uh, ended his old team. He basically ended Vancouver's season in the first two weeks of the year. (laughs) He scored two goals against his old team every time they played. He had at one point he had nine goals on the season. Eight of them were against Vancouver. Montreal owned the Canucks, and that's part of the reason why the Canucks are, you know, started off at such a deficit and, you know, still with a sub-500 record have such a long way to go. And, you know, we're going to have to put together 8, 9, 10 wins in 11 or 12 games if they, you know, want to even have a sniff of the teams that are in a playoff spot right now. Yeah, um, and yeah, Vancouver not in a good spot. And uh, look, the Jets, they did get to overtime, and we wanted to see, I know a lot of the fans want to see Ehlers. Uh, start off in overtime. It was the uh, you know Shafley Wheeler Stasny group last game. They went to the Ehlers Dubois Connor, which we haven't even mentioned, was excellent after a very rough game on Monday. Um, and well, not if you ask Nick Ehlers. He said he yeah, was shit not- after the game. That that was yeah. his quote. Whoa. And I guess we can Whoa. say that now because we're no longer on the regular airways. I don't believe we have the uh, the same CRTC <laughs> rules going forward. It's the first one. It's, it's the yeah, first well, one. that was his quote. That was his quote. I mean, I'm just trying to be accurate. Big J journalism here, Remo. You got you got to say exactly what the people said. So that's what we wow. have for everyone. But three points for Dubois, and. You know, I think that the, I mean, I don't listen, I, I wasn't getting impatient with that line. I think we see the potential for them, and we know what Connor and Ehlers have been doing all season long, and the addition to Pierre-Luc Dubois in the middle, I think, you know, adds another dynamic level to that that line, as well as a, a player that, 
you know, is um, you know, is pretty solid in both ends and with the full quote unquote two hundred foot game. So to see Dubois break out the way he did, I think is big for the Winnipeg Jets. And you know, we we'll spend a lot of time talking about, you know, that number two line, if you will. Um, and, you know, of course, the Shifley line was out there for that tying goal uh, late with the, with the empty netter. But I got to give a lot of credit to the Shifley line for the way they started the game again. I thought their first shift in the uh, game, uh, you know, the uh, game they lost to, uh, a couple days ago was, you know, was exactly the way you want your big guys to start a game. And they did it again last night. And there was the captain popping one in, getting the team off to a nice start in the Aviators in an empty building. And, uh, they were off to the races from there, although did have to hang on again and get some OT heroics from both Hellebuck and Nick Ehlers to bank those two points. Yeah, and who assisted that first goal? The guy you and Mike McIntyre spoke about yesterday uh, as the bigger surprise of the season, Derek Forbert, who was you know starting the game. Uh, he is, I guess, technically the number one left side D with Neil Pionk, uh, and he was great again, uh, you know, chipping in offensively. And the defense was quite good. They limited those turnovers, and I know on the Jets' goals, uh, Mike McIntyre wrote about this, how the Jets, it was actually the Jets' defense that was picking off uh, Montreal's attempts to exit the zone. So some nice transition game uh, highlighted by the Dubois-Ehlers-Connor line. And that was the, it's funny how this works out. So yesterday morning, the topic with Maurice, are you concerned about this line? Why aren't they scoring? Shouldn't they be doing better? And he basically said no. And he said, you know, I like the way they're playing. And look, you have patience. You have put three talented players together. You trust they'll figure it out. It seems like they're talking a lot on the bench, trying to get to used to each other how they're playing. And there it was. Uh, you know, Dubois shoots it. Uh, Connor, uh, you know, banks in, you know, gets the rebound, goes to the net. Ehlers with the overtime winner. Connor, again, you know, two straight two-goal games against Montreal. Uh, I mean, those guys are great. And I think we're starting to see the debate now, well, is the Jets' second line actually the first line? I think it kind of depends on the night because on listen, Monday, it, that's just great to have that conversation. If the, if that line is playing well enough that, you know, we're talking about them challenging that top line. That's exactly what Kevin Sheveldayoff was hoping for when he made that trade for Pierre-Luc Dubois, uh, the Godfather, Mitch weighs in. I don't think they were trying to protect the lead. I don't think they had a choice. We couldn't beat the pinching Montreal D man. And we were weak along the boards as always losing 80% of 50, 50 battles. Um, yeah, listen, some lines better on those battles than uh, than others. Um, but yeah, it, it wasn't as much trying to protect the lead as trying not to blow it. And, um, you know, hey, it, I'd much rather be playing with the lead than without it. Um, but again, you know, these are, I think there's a lot of lessons to be learned. And Remus, it's a lot better to learn a lesson when you're still banking two points as opposed to, you know, some of those heartbreaking ways they lost games earlier in this season, you know, right at the end of regulation. Um, you know, in some ways, you know, despite what we saw yesterday, and hey, maybe this is just, you know, we should just be talking about how great Connor Hellebuck is when it really counts, um, is that, you know, they seem to be able to weather some of these storms. And the one thing I'll say about the Winnipeg Jets, especially that top six, when you want to talk about opportunistic with scoring opportunities on the rush, which is basically what three-on-three overtime is. There's few teams that do it better and few players that do it better than Nikolai Ehlers, who, uh, as we mentioned, had you know a bit of a sketchy moment before that when you know it almost went into uh, the Jets' net. But you know, given another opportunity, he made no mistake and iced it for the Jets behind Carey Price. Yeah, Nikolai Ehlers turning into uh, one of the top forwards in the league, having a breakout season. We knew that he had the talent, he had the skating ability, uh, now he's got uh, the shot, and you saw it last night, uh, and again uh, earlier 
in the last week even uh incredible i mean he he said he's got more he said he he said he's got more but uh you know mark shifley where is he he's like six in the league in points 37 uh nikolai ehlers not far uh not far behind that he's what 31 points 13th in the league so uh again i guess you got one a one b depends on uh on which night these guys are going and i think that's a great thing and dubois says he do i mean he's these guys won. They had a great game, and Dubois was like, "No, no, I got more." Ealers, no, no, like I played, played like uh, like crap. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing them tonight against Edmonton because Edmonton, uh, you know, they just whomped Calgary last night, and they're feeling pretty good. Man, there's some uh, some excellent comedy in the chat right now on the YouTube channel. I guess someone was saying we need to free. Oh, it was videos of Reddit saying free my boy hashtag free Harkins. And um, it'll be interesting to see what happens, whether there is any changes up in the lineup tonight. Still waiting on that from uh, Coach Paul Maurice. Uh, but our boy Tyson Ducharme, who's uh, weighing in from T-Kona, said, please stop freeing players. It's just gone horribly. <laughs> so, yeah, it was <laughs> Patan, Niku. Um, yeah, we won't get into a big free Harkins, but I am with you videos on Reddit. We'd love to see him in. Although, and this goes back to, you know, something we talked about with Mike yesterday, Reem is that, you know, I know there was a lot of tongue, you know, teeth gnashing and consternation when Nate Thompson went into the lineup and Veselin and went out. And I think people have, you know, a lot of people, maybe a section of Jet fans have been looking to jump on, you know, miscues and whatnot by the fourth line. And they haven't really given them a lot of ammunition. I mean, I think Trevor Lewis has been incredibly solid all season long. We've talked a lot about Matthew Perot and how he's sort of been rejuvenated as of late. And I'll tell you what about Nate Thompson. I mean, you know, this is a guy, he's a bit of a journeyman. He's played all over the place. But for the role that Paul Maurice seems to be wanting from him in that line, um, he hasn't been hurting the team. I mean, I, I don't know that there's any way, another way to put it. And, you know, for a guy like Harkins, who I love, and, you know, I hope to see him in the lineup tonight, and I think there's a number of ways that you can get him in. Um, the bottom line is the team is healthy, touch wood. You know, you want to keep that being the status quo. Um, but they do have other guys, you know, chomping a bit to get an opportunity into the lineup. And, you know, that's all good for a team that has uh, aspirations of uh, getting to the playoffs and then doing some damage. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think those guys at times have been have been great. They've controlled play. I like really like Matthew Perot on this. Four- and, of course, a big thanks to our friends at Boston Pizza Winnipeg. Um, the restaurants are open again. You can go with your families. Uh, rumors are we might actually be able to eat indoors with a designated visitor from our list. Find out more about the uh, the health codes. But the game day meal is available. Dine-in, take-out, delivery, the spicy meteor, the uh, pierogi pizza, the 24-pack of wings. Hard to imagine a better setup for a big game like we'll have tonight than with Boston Pizza. Pop by your local or order online at bostonpizza.com. Let's get right to it and welcome in, at long last, a conversation on the Jets with Sportsnet's Sean Reynolds. Sean, I was saying at the beginning of the of the show, you know, being on the other side of the street, shall we say, back uh, when we were on the TSN 1290, it was, um, it's been a long time coming to uh, sit down and uh, talk Jets with you. So it is fantastic to have you here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. How are you doing? Oh, I'm great. And it is so, uh, so amazing for me to be able to talk to you. You're someone who I admire like crazy, have been listening to forever. 
and just the uh, opportunity to be able to talk with you means a ton. Thank you. Well, I'll tell you what, it's a great day to do it as well. Coming off that big win last night, we don't have to wait very long to see the team get back at it as they take on the Edmonton Oilers in another big, big game. I and mean, before we talk about the games itself, I mean, from uh, from someone that is in the business, but also someone that loves sports and loves everything about this, how much, despite the lack of fans, which, you know, is you know, it really takes a, a lot away from it. But just the actual games, the setup of the North Division, these head-to-head matchups all against Canadian teams, how much have you enjoyed this first half of the season, Sean? I mean, just getting back to hockey, I, I went into the bubble last year to cover the playoffs a little bit, and the one thing that I walked away from is I, I thought it was going to be so weird and you were going to go in and you were going to be in that environment and it was going to be antiseptic, and, and I thought it would really affect it. And the players talk about it affecting them, and I'm sure, hey, when you're used to scoring a goal and having fifteen to 20,000 people screaming over it, that's a feeling that most of us are never going to feel. So uh, I can understand that not having access to that would be tough for players. But I mean, the the first period that I watched in the bubble was strange. And then after that, it's just it's the best hockey in the world. And that takes over and you're watching that and you get invested in that. And so for me, it's been the same thing so far this season. You know, it's almost to to the point it's going to be weird when fans get back and you actually get that pop and you actually hear the the buzz of the crowd and in the warm ups and the true north yelled at the top of everyone's lungs. That almost seems like it's going to be strange and foreign at this stage. Uh, but you know, it, it, for me, it comes back to the fact that it's phenomenal hockey that we get to watch. I think they're doing a great job of handling this year, the way that they've handled it. And you're talking about the juice of the North division. It's been phenomenal. I think we're at a stage in the season where it's kind of wearing on these guys, seeing the same teams over and over again. I, Andrew Kopp touched on it. He'd, he'd like it to go back to normal. Um, but yeah, I think it's just, we're, we're seeing great hockey as per the usual. And the fact that it's, uh, it, you know, Kenny likes to say it's defense optional in this division at times. Uh, it's, it's made for some fun games. You know, at times, it's not defense optional, but maybe defense challenged. And when you have a goaltender like Connor Hellebuck and, you know, the ability to score, especially on the rush like the Winnipeg Jets can, um, there's really never a dull moment around this hockey team. Never a dull moment. And the thing that blows me away about this team is their ability to get what they need to get victories uh, on a consistent basis. We've all heard the line about good teams know how to win. And I think this team is just the very definition of that. And I'll go back to last night. You know, when, when we saw what the Jets were able to do against the Leafs, it's Connor Hellebuck very much coming to the forefront. And we know he's a guy who can steal games. Uh, I don't think you can, uh, you can depend on that every single night. And this Jets team doesn't need to. I, I thought last night was the perfect example of it the second line gets going where they hadn't necessarily been going especially Pierre-Luc Dubois he wakes up has a big game it's enough to get them across the finish line in that game but I think you know while the first line I don't think necessarily had their best line they come out and what are the Jets best at of any team in their division this season it's it's not falling into these losing ruts they don't lose back to back and it was really important considering they've got travel and a tough game against the Edmonton Oilers and if you lose last night suddenly you're staring a tough situation a potential three game losing streak in the face you don't want to be going there so what happens while well, their top line goes out and their captain goes out gets a goal on the very first shift of the game sets the tone this team is coming back to play on that night and they get the the results that they need and I just it, it 
I'm, I'm amazed time and time again with this team of their ability for one aspect of their game to shine through to get them across the finish line on a consistent basis. No, it, it's a great point, Sean. And, you know, the the goal by Wheeler right off the bat, you know, as far as setting the tone, this has happened over and over again. Um, you know, the ability, the resilience that this team has built. And I don't think it's just this season. I think it's sort of been something that's been acquired and, and to be honest, probably the biggest reason for that is the confidence they have in their goaltender, knowing that they are never out of it. But yeah. um, but to start a game like that, and, and you know, credit where credit is due. I thought they did the same thing the game before, but obviously Agreed. there were some egregious errors that, you know, Montreal made the Jets pay for. But yeah, the resiliency of the hockey club, um, you know, being able to come back from, you know, from disappointing losses. And, and I think we learned a lot about the team you know, early in the season, Sean, when there was a couple of those those heartbreakers, those last minute, and I talked earlier about how devastating the regulation losses are, um, they seem to have learned a few lessons. Now, again, yesterday, uh, you know, they gave up 10 high-danger chance chats in the third period. wasn't yeah. quite textbook way to, to win a hockey game, but um, the results matter, and it seems like whether it's a big offensive play, a big save, um, whatever it is, the Jets have found a way to keep their heads above water and not get into any of those losing streaks that, you know, w- with a situation that they're in, if they don't do that, they're going to be a playoff team. Well, yeah, and, and that's just it. I think uh, we'd done our post-game show yesterday and someone had wrote in that the, the Jets are the only team with a, uh, a, a positive winning percentage against every single team in, the, in, in their division. And, and that's what happens when you're a team that doesn't lose back-to-back games. Because if we're playing baseball-style series and you're not stacking up two losses in a row, that means that more than likely you're going to win that series. And so, uh, to me, that's been the real strength of this team. Uh, I've been beyond impressed by it. Uh, you talked about, you know, maybe some deficiencies on defense. I think there's a lot involved in trying to cover that off. I think that uh, the, the offense hasn't been as free flowing as it has been in past years because they've needed to cover off that back end. But I do think that the idea of them committing to that overall team defense, what you once you've got a team committing to this idea, well, let's get them to commit to this idea and this idea and that idea of not losing two games in a row is something that this team has entirely committed to. They all volunteer that information readily. You don't need to ask them about it. They come out and like, like it's like a mantra with this team. Well, you don't want to lose two games in a row and you can tell they buy into that. So this is a team that they lose that one game and they show up laser focused the next night. And I don't think that's a quality. I mean, Toronto had it for a while. They've fallen into a little bit of a rut here. Let's see what they get back into, but it's hard to do that. It's hard especially in a season like this and a grind like this to be that team that is able to refocus and come back better after a loss or come back and be good. Even after a loss where you may have deserved a better fate, that's one of the hardest things to do in the sport. And it, it shows you how mentally tough and strong this team is. You've covered this team for a while as a, I, I can tell you, you know, as someone follows the team and even put in the fan hat on for a minute, watching the team and the feeling you get about the Winnipeg Jets in tense situations is night and day from what it was four or five years ago. Oh, and God, I mean, yeah. To me, the biggest reason for that is Connor Hellebuck, but also a general maturing of the group overall. Um, but, you know, for a guy, I think it was Ken that was writing. I mean, the, 
Hellebuck's putting together one of the all-time great 9-11 save percentage seasons of <laughs> all time. But, I mean, for someone that's around the team on a daily basis, and obviously less so now with the Zoom calls, the, the Hellebuck effect on the – I mean, I talk about it from a fan base and just that level of confidence you have when you're watching the game. But how have you seen that kind of manifest itself within the Winnipeg Jets hockey team, um, especially in crunch time like we saw late in the game last night? Well, it's like it's like having a hand of cards full of aces and kings and queens, you know, and then having like a joker sitting in the back as well. Like you can win you can win it so many different ways with this team. Um, and, and I mean, so so here's what I'm most interested in when it comes to Connor Hellebuck. I just thought he was and, and I'm not saying anything that people don't know. I just thought he was absolutely lights out phenomenal in that series against the Toronto Maple Leafs. And what I'm interested in is, uh, you know, seeing how he's able to take maybe this playoff style or what he did, um, sorry, that baseball series style and what he did against the Toronto Maple Leafs and taking that into the playoffs. Because I think, you know, we saw the best of Connor Hellebuck when the Jets needed it most during this season. And if that can be translated to the playoffs, that that version of Connor Hellebuck uh, shows up when he is needed most. I mean, we all know what hot goalies can do for teams in the playoffs. We've seen really, you know, somewhat moderate teams go deep in the playoffs with really good goaltending. This is a really, really stacked offensive team that can do a lot of damage. Like you said, off the rush, they don't need much in a way of chances. They're as opportunistic as it gets in the league. If they get opportunities, I think more often than not, or more often than any other team in the league, this is the team that puts the puck in the back of the net compared to other teams. So when you've got a goaltender that can go out and steal really, really big games for you at the right time, which he did and showed this year, going into the playoffs, I think that makes them an unbelievably dangerous team. Okay, well, before we get to tonight's game, let's kind of expand a little bit more on that because I, I, I'm with you. I mean, the goaltending, needless to say, is elite. I mean, the forward groups um, are, you know, as good as we've seen, I think, you know, at any point here in Winnipeg, the way that Appleton's fit in with Kopp and Lowry, the way the fourth line is going. And let's not forget Jansen Harkins and Veselainen, who I think have proven that they can play right now and there just isn't currently a spot. We'll see how that changes going forward. Um to me, the trade deadline is all about the blue line, Sean. I know you guys have been talking about it. It has been a big topic around this hockey club. Um, thoughts on Chevalier's opportunity, whether it is someone like Eckholm or David Savard. How important is an addition on the blue line? And what is a price that makes sense for the Winnipeg Jets as an organization to get it done? I mean, I'm I'm of the opinion they need to be swinging for the fences on this one. And I usually do that. I'm a big believer. I've talked with some general managers. I always, uh, I talked to Stan Bowman um, in the, in the kind of glory days when I was covering a series, I just, he ended up walking up to the glass and watching practice beside me. And I started talking to him and talked to him about his idea of, you know, what, when you've got that championship opportunity window, how you have to operate that. And, and his, you know, response was like you throw everything you can through that window while that window remains open and I think that that's how the Winnipeg Jets need to take something like this um and I'll say this about the defense 
I, I think they've done a good job. Again, the team as a whole playing good team defense. But this is the thing that concerns me. I think we saw it last night. I think we've seen it against the Edmonton Oilers. Um, I think that we saw it against the Toronto Maple Leafs. When teams make a push and need to generate offense against the Jets, they do. We've seen that. The, the Canadians needed to generate a goal last night. They did that. We've seen the Edmonton Oilers, Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl were able to generate and push when the chips are on the table. Those guys, those teams, those big stars are able to push and it's hard for the Winnipeg Jets defensively to push back. So I think you need a big, big guy uh, and, a, and a top flight defenseman to be the kind of guy who can push back. So Kenny has been talking about this like crazy in our conversations. I, you you saw what Matthias Ekholm did in those series against the oh. Jets. He's big. He's really skilled. He's a gamer. He's standing in front of the net and going toe-to-toe with whoever is coming in that direction. I mean, he makes any team a better hockey team. The fact that you've got him for potentially another year at, mm-hmm. I, what is it, 3.5 or something? Yeah, like less that. than like, 4 mil. Yeah, it's it's going to take a lot to go for that guy, and I think that you have to spend a lot. This is my personal opinion, and I think Kevin Sheveldayoff does a good job of. We saw it uh, a couple of years back when he he uh, wasn't able to get the first player he was going for, and he gets Paul Stastny afterwards. Mm-hmm. I trust his creativity; he does a phenomenal job. But sometimes I just think that when that championship opportunity opens, and there's that piece out there that exists and everyone's going to be going for them and you're going to have to win the deal and it's going to suck. It's going to hurt. And you know, you're going to be giving away a player that your fan base is going to turn for years afterwards and point at you and be like, I can't believe you gave up on that guy. I just always go back to this, ask a Calgary flames fan, what it means to have that banner from 1989 up in their rafters and ask a Canucks fan, what it's like to not have one. And that tells you everything you need to know. If you have a chance to win a championship and put up, banner up it lasts forever you gotta do it yeah you gotta do it so i mean we're talking about a first round pick and probably a prospect or maybe a couple prospects i mean i'm i'm moving those guys for me Vili Hanela is maybe the one untouchable and then other than that prospects wise i think i'm all in if you're getting a guy like at home because he expands your window not just this year but next year as well, well and you know one of the other things that is so unique about this year sean is that um, who knows uh, what these first round picks are going to be? I mean, most of these kids have barely played this year. The scout, the ability to properly scout the talent in the draft, I would say, has been significantly diminished. So, if you're going to be a playoff team and you think you're going to, you know, win a round or two or maybe push already, you're already talking about a late first round pick. I mean, I'm not sure the value of that pick is the same as it would be in a normal year. You know, I had this conversation with Jeff Hamilton, who you had on your show a couple of days ago, and and I'd made that statement about thinking that maybe a first-round pick was less valuable this year because of that. I think he took exception to that, but I'll say this. If you're making that deal, you have to make it with Nashville, who's in your division, right? So it's always tricky in your yeah. division, but if you're adding everything up and you're, you know, I mean, one, they'll be able to answer that question. The Jets will be able to answer the question of scouting, of how their scouts feel about this draft. Uh, I never am one of those people who tries to say oh this is a strong draft year or it's not I don't dig in enough to know that kind of stuff I don't think the majority of people do I go I go to Sam Cosentino or guys like uh, Bob McKenzie for that kind of stuff because their their jobs are I guess my my point on this is that I'm just not too like I don't even know if it's fair to expect Bob and Sam and all the scouts to actually have a good read on all of these players this year because of the lack of games 
And that's my point. And that's why it makes it less of a risk to move a first rounder to a team within the central division, because they're playing that, that guessing game that you probably know that you are playing yourself. So uh, I agree with you. I it's, it's a guessing game. So if Nashville is getting that first round pick, they're assuming some of the risk of not knowing as much about this year as you do. So you limit your risk in that regard and, and you add that risk onto them. So I don't think it's, I mean, to me, it's a no-brainer. If you can get Ekholm and there's a deal to be made that is not just rid- ridiculous at this stage, and it probably is, the, the ask is probably ridiculous at this stage, but I, I think it's a situation where you've got to get out ahead of the market, you've got to do this. But the Winnipeg Jets, I think, are one of the things they do really well that, that mitigates a theory like this of being the home run hitting kind of guy is they're very good at finding players. Take a look at what they got in Derek Forbert. I don't think anyone was you know throwing oh. a party when they got Derek Forbert, but you bring him in to do something very specific and he's able to do it and do it well, and it makes him probably more valuable than he is on a number of other teams. So the Jets are very good at identifying a piece of the game that is going to make them better, and maybe a guy like David Savard is all you need to do that, or maybe Travis Hamanick is all you need to do that. And So maybe you go in that direction. I just personally think that with Ekholm, there's no question mark of whether or not you're getting it right, and that element of his game is going to translate Ekholm's game is going to translate to any team and he's going to make any team better. And it's the hole that they have plug the hole, go out and make your push to win a championship. Well, no, I mean, the fit is too perfect because I mean, we're talking about what the jets need from a short-term perspective, but I mean that extra year of team control, a salary under 4 million. I mean, it all just seems to work too well for the Winnipeg Jets because this is a team that I think they look at their roster and think, you know, we've got an opportunity to do something special this year, but it's not just a one-year deal. And, you know, the ability to have a guy like Ekholm, as you bring up, Vili Hainala, Sandberg, yes. Logan Stanley gets more established. Um, the timeline almost is perfect for the Winnipeg Jets from where I'm sitting. It's perfection, and it's why you're going to have to pay a whole lot to yes, go get yes. him. And it's why it's worth paying a whole lot to go get him because of everything you're talking about, the fact that he gives you so much freedom financially to go out and add to the team if you think you need to add next year. The fact that he becomes probably the number one stud in your defensive group that is going to, you know, that that 10 years from now, Billy Hainala, when he tells stories about his first years in the league and how he got better, he brings up Matthias Ekholm and the things that he did and showed him and a guy like Dylan Sandberg if you don't move a guy like Dylan Sandberg to get him. It is, in every sense, the the perfect deal for the Winnipeg Jets to make, and I'm sure David Poyle knows that, and I'm sure a perfect deal comes with a perfect return in his mind, and that's what he's looking for, and that's what Chevy may be balking at at this point. Uh, But again, I think he needs to get out ahead of it. I think it's the deal they need to make. But the deal that I think they need to make is rarely made, and uh, they make a lot of good deals that I don't suggest, so let's let's give them some credit. Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet is with us here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Sean, you and uh, Kenny will be firing up Kenny and Rennie tomorrow. We'll talk about what's coming up on the show in a second, but um, with a win tonight in Edmonton, you could be talking about a first-place Winnipeg Jets team. Two points back with a game in hand. If they win tonight, they will have the identical 19-9-2 record of the Toronto Maple Leafs. Um, Just a comment on where the Jets are going into this game in Edmonton and what you expect to see as both teams playing back-to-back nights in different cities than where they were yesterday. Yeah, I I think, uh, you know, you're going to get the best from the Edmonton Oilers, and I've really 
really enjoyed it. I, th- I think a lot of people think that the way that the Jets play that grinding style and their depth and the goaltending that they have, that that the Edmonton Oilers are a team that they should really exploit. And, and it hasn't been that way, right? Like these two teams are as evenly matched as it gets. Um, I love watching hockey games between these two teams. You know, the high-end skill is always on display. It's always exciting. Neither team is ever out of the game. Uh, it's always always a strong push towards the end. A lot of times the team that didn't play as well ends up being the team that wins the game. So it's the, the, to me, these, these games between the Jets and Oilers have absolutely everything. Uh, so, I mean, it, I, I wonder about the motivation. Are the Jets more motivated tonight because they see that first place, you know, like the, the, the crown in the North Division could be sitting on their heads after tomorrow night? Or are the Edmonton Oilers more motivated because, you know, other than that run-in that they had with the Toronto Maple Leafs where they kind of got spanked and sent on their way, they've been showing for a long time that they're with these other two teams, uh, the, the Leafs and the Jets. And and I think they, the, the people have been very quick to dismiss them ever since that happened. I think they're quick to try and want to get back into this conversation as being one of the top teams in this North Division. So, I mean, I don't think the task could be any harder than taking, a, if you're playing one game and trying to get into first place, I think if you're playing square up against the Maple Leafs, the jitters the Maple Leafs may feel probably give you an advantage. I think right now the hardest path to a one-game win to get you to first place is against the Edmonton Oilers for the reasons we've been talking about, which should make it just a phenomenal matchup tonight. But, hey, I'm thinking that the people in uh, Toronto are a little bit nervous right now. I don't know how they're going to come out of their little hiatus here. Um, they, they need to figure things out here quickly. They had been that team that wasn't losing back-to-back like the Jets, and now all of a sudden I think it's five of six they've lost. Uh, there's pressure. There's pressure there, and they need to turn that ship around quick. Well, and it's amazing, you know, you just you, to what one night in the North Division can do. Um, you know, Calgary had won three in a row under Daryl Sutter. They had some real ah. momentum going into last night. They get pumped by Edmonton. Edmonton gets two points. Winnipeg gets two. Montreal gets one. Vancouver gets two. And Calgary wakes up in sixth place in the division. <laughs> I mean, you know, it really, I mean, the level of urgency right now, game to game for all it's of crazy. these teams in the middle of it, um, it sort of has a playoff feel without the fans almost every night. Yeah, it's great. And I mean, even if you just take a look at that one one goal or sorry, one point swing between uh, the Jets and the Canadians. I mean, the Canadians had a chance last night to win that game and pull within one point of, of the Jets. And then all of a sudden, we're not talking about the Jets jumping into first place. We're starting to see them. They've lost two straight games. They're falling behind. Now Montreal's got the momentum. And all of a sudden, it's are we back to the conversation of, of Toronto and Montreal being the top two teams in the North Division? So, I mean, we've really hit a fun, fun part of of this schedule here uh and the fact that uh, the teams that that were had fallen flat on their face at the beginning of the year in in the vancouver canucks uh <laughs> in the vancouver canucks and the calgary flames are now playing good hockey just makes it that much more interesting Sean Reynolds of Sportsnet's with us. So, uh, Sean, of course, we had Ken on a week ago getting ready. It was perfect Thursday getting into the Friday edition of Kenny and Rennie. It'll be lots to talk about coming out of tonight's game. But what else do you guys have planned tomorrow? And uh, let everyone know how they can uh, subscribe and uh, be a regular with uh, you and Ken. 
Yeah, so uh, we've been doing pre-game shows on Instagram, post-game shows that we've been really happy with the att- attendance uh, uh, that we come on after. They've been the great, by the way. They, I've oh. so much enjoyed it. I mean, I see you guys doing it, bringing it over to you guys. I mean, it, it is so needed right now. And uh, if people haven't seen it, take my word for it. It is the place to be after Jets hockey. Well, and what you're doing is so needed right now, and we appreciate the little bit of a community that we've got here. I think we're all pushing each other to each other, and you mentioned the IC boys, the Illegal Curve guys, to put, go on right after the game with their post-game show, and then they throw to us because we've got you know jobs and things that we've got to do to get to first, but uh, um, they throw their audience our way, and that's great. And I mean, we all just love interacting and talking with the hockey fans. It's like, it's a dream. It's what we want to be doing, so we might as well just go on and get it done. Uh, uh, the other things that we've been doing is these Fridays we try and do kind of like a bigger swing a, a long form kind of thing we had uh, Anthony Stewart and Elliot Friedman on last week we had Jennifer Botterill and uh, Chris Johnston the week before and they've been just phenomenal guests and I mean the idea had been this is the one thing and you'll get this Hus because you, you worked at TSN and and you know the, the the perception out there that everyone just cares about the Toronto Maple Leafs and that's it uh, there's real estate that's got to go to where the most people are and the most people in Canada exist exist in in that Ontario area and it's just business right that's how it goes but the one thing that always bugged me is behind the scenes people would say like Sportsnet or TSN they don't care about the Jets or whatever guys like Elliot know so much about the Jets and Anthony Stewart was with the Atlanta Thrashers and he knows these guys personally and CJ and all these guys know this stuff they just don't have a format to talk it out so we're trying to give a format for these people who have all this great inside and knowledge insight and knowledge about the Jets to come and and talk it so t- tomorrow we're going to have big Louis DeBrusque on who's going to be calling the the local Oilers game tomorrow and I believe he's calling the hockey night in Canada game between the Oilers and Jets uh, and then we're going to have Aaron Portsline on as well because people just can't get enough about talking about Jack Roslick and and uh, young Finnish kid by the name of Patrick Laine and, and Dubois and who's won this trade and who hasn't and what's happening there. And we're going to pose the question to him, is there a chance Laine is getting moved again because now they've assumed the problem of a player who's probably looking like he's not going to stay there the way the Jets didn't have to make that move. Um, so yeah, come tune in and join us. Uh, you can find us on, uh, we, we, we live stream on Twitter, Facebook, and on YouTube. If you go look for the Kenny and Rennie show and subscribe, it's the, it's the best way to kind of lock in and find us. But, uh, I, the people who have showed up who are watching, because I think there's a lot of people who are supporting you guys. Absolutely. There are, they've been phenomenal. Thank you for showing up and, uh, hopefully we can make it worth everyone's while for showing up. I yeah, think you got it. Now, CTO Michael Remus has thrown a link to uh, the Kenny and Rennie YouTube right in the chat. So if you're with us uh, live right now, just click on that and hit the sub button and uh, make sure to check out the boys after the game. And tomorrow um, on the Kenny and Rennie earlier on, Sean, great having you back on the program, my friend. Well, on the program for the first time, and we will have you back very soon. Enjoy this game tonight. We'll look forward to the show tomorrow and uh, we'll catch up. Yeah, all I can say is finally... Finally, I get to chat with you. It means a ton to me. I appreciate you having me on. I appreciate the shout out. I can't wait to be back. Hey, keep up the great work, Sean. We'll do this again real soon. There is Sean Reynolds. If you're not following him already, at SN Sean Reynolds covering the Winnipeg Jets for Sportsnet. And of course, game time tonight, 8 p.m. And the guys will be on a little bit later on after the game tonight. And then uh, tomorrow morning, 9 a.m. Uh, before we finish up week two of Winnipeg Sports Talk 
tomorrow, 1 o'clock, live on YouTube and in your podcast feed by 3 p.m. All right, really looking forward to our next segment. Um, do want to tell you that Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily is brought to you by our friends at Royal Sports, our OG sponsor from way back in the day that made this all happen. And, of course, spring is here. Hockey's back, but it's time to get outside, and Royal Sports is your outdoor headquarters, whether it's camping, skateboarding, wake surf, their new expanded fitness department, the bike shop, all top brands of activewear. I mean, Royal Sports is the uh, the one-stop shop for all things sports, and it's time to get outside. It's time to embrace spring. Do it over at Royal 750 Pemina Highway 650 Rally. And after you have that great workout, you can go see Nick and Nikki at DQ. Of course, Dairy Queen Northgate, Dairy Queen Polo Park, Dairy Queen Niverville, and Dairy Queen on St. Anne's is the Nick and Nikki DQ group. Amazing sponsors of ours and quite popular in the chat every time we mention the wonderful things from DQ. All right, I can't wait for this. Um, and longtime listeners of the warm up know that um, Wednesday afternoon was um, one of my favorite segments every week because my guy Jeff Feinberg would join me. We'd chop it up, talk a little golf, talk a little NFL. Now, we are doing this a day later than when we normally do it because, of course, the golf tournament's already started, but there are lots of golf stories to talk about and a ton going on from NFL free agency. And it's about time. You know, you were all robbed with all of these radio hits, not having video, not to be able to see the luxurious mane of one Jeff Feinberg who joins me now on Winnipeg Sports Talk for the first time. Bro, it is great to see you. Thanks so much for doing this. And, uh, yeah, the lid is even better in person than what we see on the net. Thanks, buddy. Uh, I don't know. It gets out there. Try to, you know, quaff it up for you, but, yeah, we'll see. Hey, you know what? It worked out great. And, of course, you've got an amazing backdrop, and I'm quite familiar with this because um, you've been doing a lot of great work for Odds Checker, um, some videos on golf, some fun chats on Wednesday and Friday, in addition to all the work with uh, with Pat and Tim on the Pat Mayo experience. Uh, a lot of irons in the fire right now. You're a busy guy. Yeah, busy, I guess. Yeah, good to, good to be busy. A lot of fun talking... Uh, yeah, talking golf regularly Wednesdays and Fridays over at FTN, uh, doing that show. Um, so yeah, Huss, good to uh, you know we're in master season, NFL free agency. We'll be in the draft soon. So I've watched an ounce of college basketball, and I'm going to start doing that this week. Also, <laughs> not gonna forget, I'm not. I'm certainly not going to pretend I know anything about it, but you know I'll uh, see what cool bets offer. You know what? Uh, March Madness is out. What is in is mixed curling and betting on it right now. You got to get on this, dude. It is it, it is unbelievable. If you if you're if you just is had it a, on TV, oh, it sure is. It sure is. And by tomorrow, we'll start having betting on lines on it too. So that that uh, that can make it, you a believer in anything. I'm sure. Hey, I want to talk a bunch of NFL with you, but let's first off talk a little bit of golf. Um, JT with a big win last week. He's had a real. Um, you know, a tough season for him. I mean, listen, the guy's still one of the best players in the world, but passing in the family, uh, the um, infamous comment that he made that cost him a few sponsors. Um, were you, how impressed were you with what he was able to do last week? And uh, what do you make of uh, JT going forward into Masters season after that big win? Yeah, I don't think any, my opinion certainly never changed on Justin Thomas through any of it. He always remained uh, one of the super elites, and he got the big win. He was able to sort of just keep steady as a lot of things were happening around him, and then he, in the end, he fired a great day. Any anyhow, um, 
incredible win. He should be probably right. He'll be right there on the Masters board. Huss, I don't really have any Masters futures because to me, there's only like five guys. I'm joking when I say this, but only like five guys who can win. They're all chalk. I just haven't decided who I'd like to wager on yet, but just JT, a machine that, that he's got a lot of wins, what, 12 or 14, but that one will go probably right beside the uh, PGA championship victory. And I, I don't, ex- uh, I suspect he'll might need to build an extension to the trophy case. Huss says he's what he's in rarefied air doing things that only tiger had done. And, and um, yeah, so pretty good. He's, he's the player we all thought he'd be. And I, I bet you he gets back with that sponsor that dumped him uh, sooner than later. I, yeah, I think I someone, think that's just going to come full circle. Someone's going to be on his shirt very soon. Um, wh- what is going on with Lee Westwood? I, wh- I, he's been in the final group the last two tournaments, and you know credit to him. You know he got beat by two great players by one shot each. But um, wh- where where did this come from? You know he actually won what like European Player of the Year. This year, so he'd been playing quite well. He's got a couple nice wins um, on the European tour, and Florida always works for him. He lived there for a bit. I think he he still keeps a home there. Uh, you know that is probably it was also a place where everything sort of went sideways for him. You know when he first made the move to Florida to sort of be a full time PGA Tour player, it resulted in a. Uh, you know, a bit of a, a divorce and his wife took his kids back to England and now he's sort of come full circle with a new girlfriend, fiance on the bag, winning tournaments, <laughs> uh, feeling good, feeling feeling blessed. He even said this week he went down to Augusta to play on Monday with his son. His son is going to take the girlfriend's spot and be his caddy at the Masters. So uh, nothing but love for me from Lee Westwood. He doesn't show up on on betting cards. Uh, I bet, I guess, enough guys that don't win. But anytime (laughs) he's in contention, Ben or not, I'm always rooting for him. I always am. Yeah, he's a pretty easy guy to cheer for right now. And uh, that's been really cool to see him uh, sniffing around the uh, top of the leaderboard and getting a nice check, but just falling short. So uh, maybe someone that we actually did bet on could um, could actually get into the winner's circle like JD did at 20 to 1 last week. Um, just quickly on this tournament, Daniel Berger, who was the uh, was the odds-on favorite, pulled out, leaving uh, our boy Sungjae at the top of the leaderboard. Uh, who uh, who did you sprinkle on heading into the Honda? Oh, it shouldn't matter. Uh, they're 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 swimming. Huss. Matt Matt Jones, first round leader. I certainly had nothing like that. Um, no, my picks are not doing well. We could just uh, <laughs> we could leave it at that. Matt Jones wasn't. Inc- I- I've been to this course two of the last three years for this tournament. You're not supposed to shoot a nine under on this course. It's just not supposed to happen. Uh, But Matt Jones would probably be on the short list of guys who could do it because he just has that, 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 I don't know, that, that quality about him that when other guys feel like they're on the hardest course they've played in a while, he, he feels like he's on a different one. Um, I got Neiman. I think he's like one under Haas, uh, Brendan Steele. The scoreboards haven't been nice to me. I got some like head to heads with Fowler and I feel like he's going backwards. So, so um, yeah, Ricky, it's not going well, honestly, sometimes I say this and then things come full circle and I got a contender on Sunday. 
I think I'm already done. <laughs> well, I think I'm already done. Well, this was a weird tournament just with so many guys not playing. But uh, anyways, let's get to NFL. Um, it's been a wild week. I mean, so many names have switched spots in the National Football League. Um, you know, and part of it is the is the cap. Um, you know, teams being you know really cap strapped, and other teams just you know moving on in their progression as an organization. Like I'm going to just run down a list of players. These have, guys have all signed with the New England Patriots. Cam Newton re-signed. Nelson Aguilar, Kenrick Bourne, Jonu Smith, Trent Brown, uh, Dietrich Wise, Matt Judon, Kyle Van Noy, and your boy Hunter Henry as they got the top two tight ends on the board. Um, what do you make of what uh, Bill Belichick's been up to over the past week? Very different than their normal uh, M.O. I, I, I like it. I got no issues for it. I wasn't even a hater on the Newton contract before the storm began with the free agents hustler. To me, I still expect they'll invest some serious draft capital in that position. And I think Cam Newton with a young quarterback uh, is better than what I thought their other options would have been like Garoppolo or say trading for Mariota. Bilicek, the Patriot way doesn't exist anymore. It's easy to exist to have this Patriot way when you're playing in the Super Bowl and you got Tom Brady who's taking less than market value and you're 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 sitting like a king drafting 30th or 32nd or something like that there's a new Patriot way in town and and this is it and that's okay uh people had such a down feeling about how they were last year hustler they had so many opt outs people think Cam Newton's deplorable they won 7 games like give me that bad like people talk about them like they won three games last year so the roster had was filled with holes and they still were a nose hair from from seven and uh from a 500 season in a big transitional spot so yeah i got no issues i'm excited this should bother uh i don't think the bills really need to worry and i could argue the minus 150s or something that are still out there on the bills or are i shouldn't say still that have been put out there on the bills hustler i could make a case that's pretty good value they've 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 kept their team in tow and they kept dable and i don't really see a threat there but the patriots success should bother the dolphins fans certainly at the moment or what they've done in the last couple of days yeah, um, how do you see the Dolphins going forward? I mean, is two of their guy next year? Or, I mean, is this going to be the most interesting um, few weeks leading up to the draft, specifically about that team that has Houston's pick at three yeah. overall? Okay, uh, people seem like I have some hard biases towards Tua. Um, but let me say this, Hustler. I think the Miami Dolphins present one of the more interesting teams as we head both into free agency and the draft. I'm surprised we hadn't seen a bit more of a bigger splash in free agency. But Flores, very Patriot way. I think, um, you know, he's keen on getting a lot of these good veterans that are out there to come and show themselves on one-year deals. We're going to see a lot of great players signing one-year deals over the next couple weeks, month, just like we saw Pat Patterson do it last night. And if you got to show a one-year prove-it deal, well, I'd say you go to a team that will give you a good opportunity to um, look good and show yourself. So they're probably being methodical with free agency. They can own the draft with the third and um, what is it? Three and 18 and the extra second rounder. How that can play into Watson is a whole other conversation, but with two quarterbacks, certainly to go in front of them, they have the chance to get like the blue chip football player in the draft. 
understand why the quarterbacks are going to go. That's an, you know, that's, that's how the game is played, but um, they're in a great spot. As for Tua, to me, and I've made my jokes, I think people are being so cruel to Tua now. Like, even hearing Jalen Waddle and the other Heisman winning receiver do some, like, interviews in the media, and, you know, they're being asked, they're being baited into the question, like Mac Jones or Tua. And, yeah, maybe they're just trying to hype up the guy who could go really high in the draft. You want to put as much air in the tire of a guy to get a top 10 pick. They all want to get do this together sort of thing. But they're throwing like unnecessary shots at Tua. And like that is so wrong and so unfair in my opinion. Um, uh, But yeah, I I think I will die on the hill that I don't think Tua will like be a transcendent NFL star. He can be a very good quarterback, but I don't think he – his ceiling can sniff a Herbert or Burrow. Yeah, unlike, of course, your boy Justin Herbert, what a season he had. Uh, we've got some breaking quarterback news. Oh, wow. Adam Schefter reporting that former Bears quarterback Mitchell Trubisky is signing with the Buffalo Bills. There it is. You know what? That makes sense. Behind Josh Allen, I mean, listen, yeah. he's not going to be starting anytime soon, but his skill set, his mobility, the arm um, probably not a bad guy to have as a backup for Josh Allen, considering uh, you know the way he plays. Is that a one-year deal? What is that? Uh, you know, Schefter has not he has not <laughs> said. He just said he's signing um, with the Bills. So, um, yeah, no, listen, you, you're totally right in terms of schematically. It's you wouldn't be changing much. Like when Matt Barkley was in the game and the Chargers played the Bills that game, where Allen got hurt for a bit and Barkley had to come in. You wouldn't have to really change how you call your plays. It's not Trubisky's. Trubisky takes a lot of heat, but I don't know. I I kind of feel bad for the guy. Oh, listen! It wasn't it wasn't his fault that he got picked second, or that the Bears, you know, traded up a pick to get him when they probably didn't need it, need to, or that Deshaun Watson and Pat Mahomes were picked after him. But it certainly did put him in a tough situation. Speaking of the Bears. You know, you know, all the fans are lathered up for two weeks thinking that they're going to get Russell Wilson, is, and then they sign Andy Dalton. I okay. feel sorry for Andy. He deserves better. Not only do I feel sorry for Andy, there's a villain here, Hustler, and it's not the Chicago Bears. And I said this on a podcast with Mayo a couple weeks ago. The chutzpah of Russell Wilson's agents to do that, to do that. To put these guys out there like that, man, that is so not fair to the Bears, to their fans, to uh, other whoever is going to play quarterback for the Bears, uh, to Matt Nagy, who is swimming upstream and pace <laughs> for their job. It's one thing to put the trade out. Like, unless you're going to demand a trade, you don't say where you would go. <laughs> That's so and it what hold on it wasn't even like sources or rumors the big time power hitters in NFL rumor mails your raps and shifters were saying like this is from Wilson's agent <laughs> they weren't even like hiding where it was from that was egregiously uncalled for i swear there's got to be, even to the Saints who are on that list, and, and I thought that was unfair to the Cowboys who were doing their thing with Dak at the time. To have made that public is really not right. 
was really not right by Wilson's agent. And it, it, I feel bad for Dalton. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm an Andy Dalton fan and, you know, he's had some strong seasons, you know, he made the playoffs four times with the Cincinnati Bengals, which has to count for something, but um, it's just funny. The bears were actually a playoff team last year. They get everyone all their hopes up. And now it's sort of like they, uh, they get the, uh, the booby prize of Andy Dalton being their quarterback. Let's take it back to the AFC West, the division we're most interested in. Um, fill us in on your chargers right now. Um, Hunter Henry's gone, and I knew you were tweeting about Jared Cook. Has that happened now? Yeah, that happened, Hustler. <laughs> and I like it. Okay, I, I used all my equity within like asking the organization for anything when I begged them to fire Anthony Lynn, and I went to the highest possible levels <laughs> to like make my case that just bother Anthony Lynn. But on a lot of my content over the last month, I can't, or no, not lot last month, but once it sort of became evident that Henry wasn't getting the franchise tag, um, I just had this feeling that Jared Cook was going to get the signing. It's an easy, it was an easy dot. People are making me out to like be some zen. Their their offensive coordinator, the new one, is Joe Lombardi, who spent all that time like a decade with the Saints. So it's a one year contract. I'm not satisfied. I'm not satisfied. Uh, I go from Gates to. Henry, I'm not comparing Henry to Gates, but but I always – I think Hunter Henry's yet to play his best football, and I think he's shown through injuries an ability to be a pretty high-end, tight end. Unfair to compare him to a Kelsey or um, a Kittle, but I think he could stack up with anyone else not named Waller uh, behind those guys if you rank the league – tight end. So I really want them part of it. I love tight ends house. I throw to my tight ends and Madden. Oh I yeah. See them. Like I can't, Jared Cook just doesn't work for me. It doesn't work for me. And now I'm going to want to see them draft one in the second or third round. I don't know how high they are on Parham. Parham is, it was from the XFL people. Like it was Parham? like, yeah, Parham. yeah. <laughs> I like Parham. He's a fun red zone target. You'll see when we're lining up, like, keep an eye. He'll be a hard guy to miss. He's six foot eight. He's got some insane raw athleticism, but I don't like a Cook Parham depth chart. Like, that needs more to me. Um, now I, now I like want to sign a receiver because I'm not satisfied. That being said, maybe I shouldn't be greedy, Hustler. They made, um, one of the better moves, much like the Chiefs in getting Thune. We sort of match that. Um, it's it's unfortunate we could sign a player like Ryan Lindsley, an all-pro center, and feel like I didn't really make a gain on the Chiefs. That was, like, really frustrating in many ways because props to the Chiefs for Thune. But uh, you just watch uh, uh, this Lindsley guy, Maul. He'll protect. He'll be that anchor for, for Justin Herbert. They signed a quality versatile lineman from the Steelers, and they're going to go to the podium, I still think, at 13 and draft the left tackle. You see what left tackles get paid. You can hit a good one in the first round. Um, you're pretty much getting a freebie for five years until you have to pay them. Yeah, tackles is where the Chiefs need to figure out what they're going to do. because It's uh, a deep you know, tackle draft. There's a lot of people saying the Chargers could get greedy and like get a toy at 13 and wait, but I, I don't. I don't want to wait. I just, I think you should just take the tackle and 
build this wall for for Herbert, which yeah. seems to be the plan. That'll be the same thing. Chiefs, of course, got Tooney and Kyle Long out of the uh, retirement, nice the former All-Pro. Yeah, certainly this, the, the middle of the line's great. You just got to figure out tackles. All right, one other, and I th- I'm sure this has kind of gone up and down with how much people have been talking about it, but the Deshaun Watson situation. How do you see this playing out? Um, does he? Who does he take his first snap for next season? And does it happen if it does in and around the draft? Whew. This is, I mean, we've got this ugly story put on, on it now. I, I want to like talk as if this story doesn't exist. Cause I don't want to like downplay anyone's allegations per se. Um, I'm tempted to say that he's, going to not if he doesn't get traded by the draft if you're a new england patriot fan if you're a san francisco 49er fan you start to salivate because that draft capital then has to be executed by miami and by the new york jets in the end i'm buying what people are selling though in that it could it will be carolina if you made me bet on it i don't love the odds but I really think Carolina is going to be the team that he goes to. I think they will have the stomach to pay more than the Jets and the Dolphins. As crazy as that sounds, I think they have the stomach for what that trade is going to have to be. The Dolphins have cultivated those picks. I feel like they're incredibly attached to them. And... Um, the Jets, there's a lot of talk the GM wants to move, but I would say Carolina, Jets, Miami. That is my order of uh, of Watson locations, and I'm going as no surprise to anybody. No, I'm leaning with you as well. And just from the simple fact that if all the offers are the same, you'd far rather have him go to the NFC playing for Carolina than being a team that if you ever get back to respectability, you they, might have to go yeah. through in the playoffs. But if they evaluate Zach Wilson as a quarterback, like the quarterback that some people that, you know, we like to watch their bits on the internet are saying, then the Jets are the kingmaker. Absolutely. Two overall. We know that Trevor Lawrence is off the board going to Urban and another like Jacksonville Jaguars. You can't go Jaguars. to three with Miami because then you can get snaked. And, I mean, maybe they like a different quarterback. I'm not discounting. Miami's definitely in – in play here, I don't put much into the no trade. I think it's Scott Watson doesn't want it to get ugly. Where as long as he doesn't despise the location, yeah, I think he's just going to say like anywhere but here. I can't be too greedy in like nitpicking my spot. Um, so yeah, that's how I see it. But people seem to think this new money um, investment, like tech guy in Carolina. Like, the quote is, he's playing A, B, and C. So that means, like, they'll just keep digging into that draft pick well. Problem is, a lot of NFL fans finding out recently, Hustler, you're only allowed to trade picks up to three years down the road. So this, like, five-year pack, there, there can't really be five first-round picks. 
unless it's Miami or the Jets because they got doubles. For sure, for sure. Well, I mean, that is going to be a story that I think everyone's going to be following. It's going to be a fun few weeks in the National Football League heading into the draft. Feinberg, it's so great to have you back on the program. You were looking great, my man. Um, For folks, give them a follow on Twitter at GFeinberg17. And uh, where can people uh, catch your content? Of course, Mondays you're always talking golf with Pat Mayo on the Pat on the Mayo Media Network. But uh, you got a lot of other things going on as well. Yeah, I drop uh, videos uh, for Odds Checker, talking golf a couple times each week. And um, Wednesday night at uh, FTN Daily and Friday afternoons at FTN Daily, I'm talking live for an hour. Let's do this again soon, pal. It's great to talk to you again. Thanks so much. All the best, Huss. Happy for you and and Remus looking good. So keep on keeping on, buddy. <laughs> right on. There he is, my man, Jeff Feinberg, uh, one of my favorite dudes to talk to. And if you're, not, if you're not, take it easy, pal. If you're not a, a regular, if you haven't checked out, um, baby, my the, the podcast I enjoy the most and look forward the most to every week is Jeff on with Pat Mayo, Tim Anderson during football season. They're making football picks, talking a lot of golf. I mean, just a hilarious dudes. Very, very entertaining and uh, great to have Jeff with us here on the program. Again, this is Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily, brought to you by Not Autocorp, the Nick and Nikki DQ Group, Royal Sports, and Boston Pizza Winnipeg. Let's get Michael Remus back in here. And uh, Reem, um, back to tonight's game. Jets, Oilers, both teams played in different cities yesterday. Uh, how are you feeling about uh, the uh, the visitors' chances tonight to uh, get two points and tie the Toronto Maple Leafs for first place in the North Division. Yeah, um, if I had to say, I think I would probably lean towards Edmonton Hus because you know they're staying in the same time zone and they're coming off, they're coming <laughs> off a win. You love those time zones. And the Jets, the the time zone analysis. If the Jet, if the Jets, you know, they're going back an hour, so they do gain an hour. So maybe there actually is time. Same zone game time. Advantage. Same game time. And they've had good. They've had good starts the last two nights. Uh, you know, with these games, it was an eight o'clock start last night. Eight o'clock yes. start Winnipeg time tonight. So maybe there was a method uh, to the madness of the scheduling for the Winnipeg Jets in these back to backs. Yeah, I'm not sure. I think it's going to be tough for the Jets. I don't think they the travel. Uh, could be a difficulty, but look, we know what kind of team they are. Uh, I think they're on par with Edmonton, so uh, we'll see which team shows up. If it's the team that played last night for the first two periods, uh, they should be able to win. But if they come out like they did in the third and allow a ton of a ton of high danger chances, uh, then it may not go so well for them. Uh, we'll see how how can they contain Connor McDavid. I mean, he's been on an absolute tear. I mean, his point he's guaranteed right now has guaranteed to finish. As a point per game player this season, and what we're like just over oh, yeah. halfway through. Hey, man, he could he might be I, well getting to two per game probably won't happen, but he's on the pace for high nineties right now. He could break a hundred points in a fifty six game season, which certainly would yeah. be uh, would be amazing. And from my from my perspective, I love the Oiler Jet games are some of the the most fun games we have on the schedule. And I think back to that six five game a few weeks back that they probably didn't deserve to win. And then the way they played the following game far better and ended up losing. Um, you know, there's a lot to like it, just the entertainment value of these two clubs, but a lot on the line for the Winnipeg jets to think that they could tie the Leafs tonight with a victory at 19, nine and two It's a perfect segue into our cool bet lines of the day. And let's start it off with that jets game. Um, Amer- jets plus plus one twenty seven. Uh, underdog decimal that is 2.27 Oilers 1.67 
And um, well, Remo, the Jets have won 19 times this year. I bet they were probably underdogs 13 or 14 at the time. Well, maybe that's a bit of an exaggeration because of the Ottawa games. But, I mean, there has been so much value on the betting lines for Winnipeg so far this season. Once again, last night, home underdog, got it at plus money, and uh, even a bigger number right now at plus 127. Uh, but I think that number does sort of make sense considering they're on the road, played last night, and uh, we know the Oilers are feeling good after popping seven last night. Oh, yeah, and I like the Jets on Monday. They didn't win, but I also uh, like them again yesterday. Now that we know the Jets don't lose back-to-back games, at least not this year. But I'm not sure. I'm not sure how this uh, road game, this travel. I know it's going to be tight. They've played tight pretty much every game this year. Really tough to say. Uh, I think we're going with, I would assume, Brossois in net as it is a back-to-back, and he's played so well. I mean, if the Jets are an underdog, I do think there would definitely be the value on them. So maybe just keep keep riding it. They're going to probably get a touch tonight at, uh, at plus 127. Now, a couple of other great games in the league tonight. Minnesota is at Colorado. Minnesota paying 2.37. Colorado at 1.61. You know, the Minnesota Wild are another team that I think has been providing some serious value to better so far this year in that... You know, they were sort of under the radar coming in, but they just keep winning. They never allow more than two goals. And, you know, listen, I, I get why Colorado is the favorite in this game. Um, but the results Minnesota's been putting up, I'm kind of surprised the number is what it is at 2.37 for the Wild on the road. Yeah, Minnesota's been one of the surprises of this season, how well they are, how much young talent they have. We've talked about them, uh, I think, this week and last week quite a bit. Uh, I'd probably lean Minnesota, Colorado. I'm not sure what their lineup situation. They've had some injuries with uh, with McCarr as well, and Minnesota's just been solid. So uh, if you want to go with the underdog, I know um, I'm a big fan of Dom from the Athletic, and he's been riding Minnesota a ton this year. So he's a pretty sharp guy, and uh, I usually side with him. A couple other games to uh, look at tonight. You have the uh, Coyotes and Ducks a little later on. Ducks 2.20 at home. The uh, Chicago Blackhawks, who have been one of the great stories of the season, along with Minnesota, 3.05 at Tampa, 140. But the game, Remus, I'm most interested in outside of Jets-Oilers tonight is on Long Island. The New York Islanders, 1.65, hosting the Philadelphia Flyers, 2.30, what, the Flyers coming off a 9 nothing ass-kicking last night at the hands of the New York Rangers without their entire coaching staff give up seven goals in the second period, down 9 nothing after two. One of the most lopsided wins in recent NHL history. Um, first of all, what the hell happened to Philadelphia and uh, how do they get it back against a very tough Islanders team tonight headed by uh, our old pal Barry Trotz? I have no idea what happened yesterday. I played uh, a couple <laughs> of the Flyers lines on fantasy. I figured they're playing the Rangers. Uh, let's go, you know, Kevin Hayes, Travis Connecting. Come on, guys, let's go. And I I don't know. I don't know if anyone can explain it. Uh, the Rangers, they've been, you know, like pretty pretty blah this year. But uh, Zabinijad, uh coming in with the massive, massive uh, six-point game, three goals, three assists, so... I don't know if you can take anything away from that. I mean, it was 9 nothing after two periods. Uh, that's crazy. <laughs> You'd like to think Philadelphia's ready to come out and totally redeem themselves. But uh, I guess, I guess you just, just go with them. But that is that's weird. 
just like that Jets game in Montreal a couple of weeks ago, it's a double flusher. You get it out, get it into the pipes, don't worry about it, and move on. So we'll pay attention to that. Of course, you can go to coolbet.com for all the lines and check out the Sports Talk Winnipeg Twitter feed for today's lines of the day and a link that you might want to use. Um, Remo, uh, a couple things. Tomorrow's going to be a great show. Dave Poulin will join us. We will break down the latest week for the Winnipeg Jets, talk about tonight's game against the Edmonton Oilers, and look ahead to Saturday night's game. Um, that's going to be a heck of a lot of fun. And you know what? Coming up on Monday, I know we've had some people wondering about some of the 1290 boys. T- next week, folks, is going to be of a, a bit of a 1290 reunion on the program. We can tell you that Jim Toth is going to come on. I've talked to Rick. Rick Ralph is going to come on. Going to touch base with a few of the other boys. So um, should be a real fun week on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Not to mention a lot of you know Jets talk, NFL free agency, heading into the draft, baseball starting up, curling. I mean, there's so much going on. But, Remo, it's going to be fun to get some of the old boys back on for the first time where we can actually see them, have them in the chat, and join us on uh, the new venture here on Winnipeg Sports Talk. Yeah, this is pretty cool. I know a lot of people have asking us when's that was the first question. You know, people come into the chat before we're on air. They're waiting for it to start. And the first question was, Hey, uh, when's when you guys should get Toth on? I was like, Hey, he's actually coming on uh, Monday. So, uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, a lot of fun stuff. We're having a great time here. We're working on improvements all the time. We did have some technical issues uh, with Sean, but we powered through. I did have to jump in there. A bit of a deer in the headlights. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for doing that, Remus. I I don't know what the heck happened. All of a sudden, I got this crazy buzz in my headphones, and I was wondering if that was going to everyone. Obviously, it wasn't, which was much better than everyone having to hear that. But uh, got out, got back in, and uh, it seemed to all work. One other thing for tomorrow, Lock Shop Day with Dustin Nielsen. Uh, We're on an incredible heater right now. That will kind of play on Friday night. But Dusty is in Edmonton. He's going to join us as well. Uh, Second half of the program around quarter to two tomorrow if you're watching live on YouTube. Um, The incredibly talented Dustin Nielsen in Edmonton. We'll talk lots of Jets, Oilers as well. Should be a great set up to the weekend. Uh, So, Remo, that's going to do it for us. We're going to get these pods up and loaded so everyone can listen to them on the way home. Big shout-out to everyone in the chat with us here on YouTube. If you haven't already, do us a favor. Click that like button. And um, if you're listening on the pod, we thank you for your support. Let people know about it. And if you can, rate and review it on um, Apple Podcasts or Spotify. It is a big help as well. Um, For Michael Remus, I'm Andrew Patterson. Big thanks to Sean Reynolds and Jeff Feinberg for joining us. We'll be back at it tomorrow, finishing up week number two of Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. In the meantime, have a great night tonight. Enjoy the game. And, uh, Remo, you can have a good time polishing up your 2014 Media Home Run Derby trophy as you uh, gloss on that to finish up the program. Someone was asking about it in chat, so I just wanted to make sure everyone knew 2014 Winnipeg Media uh, Home Run Derby Champion Trophy. So, oh, someone was asking. That's why I'm bringing it up. That's the only, <laughs> only reason at all. Uh, great time today. Thanks, Remo. Thanks to everyone who joined us live on YouTube. Have a great evening. Enjoy the game, and we'll talk to you tomorrow, 1 p.m. live on YouTube here on Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Night, y'all. Oh, my God. Oh! Shut it down. Let's go home. Thanks for tuning in to Winnipeg Sports Talk Daily. Make sure to subscribe on YouTube and your favorite podcast feed at winnipegsportstalk.com. 